0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play
1: for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And listen, Recording started. Alright, everybody. Welcome to this week's Matrix Discussion Group call for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, let me just check a couple things here on my end.
1: And my apologies Uh, for for that, Brian. That's my reaction of going through the actions and repeating what I already knew. My apologies.
0: Uh, I just got to go through and do some housekeeping before we start the recording normally. But anyway, I've got that done. And uh, tonight's um, episode basically is going to be called uh, Private, uh, Leaving Babylon. There's a lot of people that talk about living in the private and that we need to move into the private. But I don't hear anybody talking about it. Uh, The closest thing as far as any kind of directions I hear, um, you know, people talk about getting a passport. Um, I don't know. I'm not so sure that uh, getting identification from the beast is exiting the beast, in my opinion. Um, But there would be, I guess, different ways that I'd probably go about doing that similar to, uh, say, like the driver's license issue or whatever. But uh, this is mentioned uh, several times in Scripture. It's uh, mentioned most often what people refer to as Revelation 18. And uh, the reason for getting out of Babylon is uh, because you're not going to partake in her sins, which means you won't suffer her plagues, I think, which is kind of a... um, Commonly heard word the past couple of years, but it's first mentioned in uh, Jeremiah 51. And the reason for fleeing is so that you can flee the wrath of the Lord. Um, the, the wrathful anger of the Lord, I think, is what it's mentioned in Jeremiah 51. And, you know, we know. In Ephesians 6, it talks about this being a spiritual war. And we have to realize something. That with this being a spiritual war, we need to know what a spiritual war is. Uh, spiritual war isn't necessarily just against a entire people or a nation, but it's also personal, which means you're not going to sit back and wait for Q to do something or Orange Man to do something or somebody else to do something. Uh, This is an inward battle. It starts with yourself. And so, you know, if we're going to be getting out of Babylon in order to, you know, um, flee the vengeance of the Lord or the Lord's anger, like it says in Jeremiah, or to not partake in the plagues, uh, like it says in Revelation 18, then I I really stop and think about Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if something doesn't occur, uh, then God's going to owe a serious apology to Sodom and Gomorrah, in my belief. And I don't think that things are any better now than they were at that time. So what I basically did is I looked at the ways that we get roped in. And I wrote up the five main ways that we get roped in as those things, all of them really pertain to contracts that we're involved in. But we've got a, a guest with us this evening also, Gavin. How are you doing this evening, brother?
2: Very well, thanks. Uh, appreciate the invitation. I hope you can't hear the wind in the background.
0: No, you sound fine. You sound okay. fine. Um, did you have thoughts regarding any of this that you wanted to mention? or? <clears throat>
2: Not yet. I mean, I'm really glad that you uh, can refer to the scriptures. I think that's really cool. I wish I was more of a a student of the Bible myself.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I think so much can be found scripturally. And I I think people today wouldn't be in the position that they're in if the churches were teaching it correctly. Uh, I think they're totally misreading so much of it. And the majority of it is because the pastors today don't go back to the original language that it was written in and look up the original definitions. Uh, They don't pay attention to the whole situation that was really going on at that time and realizing that while the scriptures may have been written for us uh, as kind of a guideline or an idea of what to follow, we have to understand they weren't written to us. Which means they're written to a people that were in a little different situation and a different mindset. And so you've got to see things through their lens, if that makes sense.
2: Uh, they're still applicable to us in our time now? Yeah. In a
0: way? Yeah, they are. Cool. They are. But what we have to realize that, you know, that some of the sayings, for instance, in the Bible that may be used to us might go right over our heads. But to those people, they knew exactly what that meant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing my Resident Evil uh, Umbrella Corporation hat tonight because I did a video the other day, and it seemed to trigger <laughs> several people. And um, but I, I think it's actually very appropriate this evening because Resident Evil. Well, I don't know. Is the Resident Evil? I would say. Yeah, that might not be a position that you want to fall into um, because you're resident of what? You're resident of a state. And what's a state by definition? It's a conquered territory. So if you're proud to be uh, a resident of a conquered land, then I guess you're automatically saying that you're willing to follow the conqueror.
1: <laughs> well, and not only that, I want to... Um make a point to point out various different things is that when we use words like state or church, we think about separation of church and state. Well, let's really separate church and state because state can be used as a noun or a verb. So how are you using it as a noun or a verb? Same with church. How are you using church as a noun or a verb? How are you using me as a noun or a verb? Because see, I myself, I'm not a noun. I am the verb, and every act is, a, is the breath of God. That means in every act or every breath is an act of God. Everything I do should be an act of God doing his will, and that's it. That dispels all that other uh, nouns and verbs by expressing that you're the verb. You're his actions in repetition. Time and time again, what is, new is, or what is done is what ought to be done. There is nothing new in the side. I'm going to keep doing what I'm told to do. you ain't the one to tell me to do it because you ain't my daddy.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to be acting through us, exactly. And one of the things I I look at with this situation is that uh, they are more and more moving towards things really being more artificial uh, than it was 150, 200 years ago or back at the time, for instance, that the Law of Nations was written. Uh, Things were a little more black and white at that time. If you were born on a land, then uh, you became basically property of whoever ran that land. And whatever status you had followed the status of your father. And today everything is really becoming digital. And they're they're really not showing the designation or the difference between the digital you, for instance, and, and the physical you. But when you point some of these things out, a lot of uh, their claims uh, would fall apart. And so I think in my view of seeing what's happening is that the path is being prepared easier and easier for us. Um, It's much easier now to separate from, say, the powers that be than it was back at the times of Emmer Vettel when... Um, he compiled uh, the Law of Nations, and uh, we really need to make use of that. And I grabbed sources from a few different places for what I put together for myself and what I put together for this evening. And one of the things, and I, I really cannot remember the name of the book now or the author, but it was written back in the 70s for people that were trying to dodge the Vietnam War. And it was essentially kind of how to do it without taking off and moving to Canada kind of thing. You know what I mean? How you can stay in your community, how you can stay in your town and avoid, you know, getting hemmed up with uh, that whole fiasco that was going on at that time. And I also went and I looked at some of the alphabet agencies. And I think people know what I mean by that. And I looked at... Um, their methods of operation uh how they set things up for a field office or for somebody uh, working in the field which when i say the field that means they were in another country okay and how they situated themselves there in the field because they couldn't be and they were not a part of that particular country. They weren't a citizen of it or anything like that or a subject of it. Uh, they were there kind of on the down low, if you know what I mean. And so if their cover, for instance, as they would say, got blown or anything like that, you know, um, it kind of be on their own and they fully comprehended that. So what I did is, I looked at a lot of their methods and the things that they were doing in a way that they were basically staying invisible while being right there in plain sight. And I think more and more today the things that are happening we're going to see that this is going to become very very necessary for many people. And especially some of the little methods I'm going to show this evening because you know people are wondering if a time is gonna come where there's gonna be requirements to have uh, employment, for instance, or even if there's gonna be requirements in order to go into a grocery store or, you know, just the simple things of life like that. And so what I did is I'd look through all of these things that other people had been using and tried to find, okay, how can we make this work for us? Because the main problem that people have is that everybody has been taught how to live like a peasant, whether it's, you know, how you are gainfully employed, um, how your financing or banking is done, how your regular, just your basic contracting in life takes place. Everybody's taught to do it as a peasant. And the reason why they're taught to do it as a peasant is because the peasants really don't have any power, and at the same time, the peasants will stay peasants. They'll stay poor. So uh, there's going to be no way for them really uh, to expand themselves or their lives or of the community around them as long as they stay in that status. And. To me, I said, "Okay, we got to find a way away from that." I think you'd probably agree. You know, so that, what did
2: those people do to become ineligible for the draft back in the times of Vietnam?
0: Well, I think those pieces will kind of fall together when I show you some of these things this evening, okay. because uh, number one, um, in order to become you know, in order to get him to into the draft, for instance, they would, number one, have to find you, right? They'd have to contact you, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if they didn't contact you, and then look at this, you know, there's nothing they can do, you know? So uh, to me, that's that's kind of a biggie right there. Um, and, I, I, you know, I mentioned, like, work or employment, and I, I didn't really tie that into the five, different uh, steps that I have this evening. Uh, I was thinking about it today, and we kind of have to look at, you know, what do we enjoy doing? What are we naturally good at? And and try and find something, you know, in that area. There's a gentleman at a uh, park near me that, at the park, he runs what he calls endurance training. And it's for all these kids, basically. And he has kids ages probably seven or eight years old till maybe 15 or 16. And he runs endurance training with them, you know, because these kids are doing what? They're in front of a computer all day or sitting on the couch playing on a device or something. They're not outside climbing trees and, you know, exploring the world around them like they were, you know, even when I was a kid, you know, back in the 80s or even maybe the kids of the 90s before the whole technology boom came. And so he found that as something that he could do. And it's something that's actually good for the community. It's great for the kids. It lifts their spirit and everything, makes them feel like they're accomplishing something. And so it's a win-win. I was also listening to a comedian one time that in one of his jokes, he said, you know, that he was watching somebody – walking like five or six dogs had them all on a leash he said he was watching that and he thought you know what that could be a job for me he said but instead of walking dogs i'm gonna become a people walker and he said it as a joke (laughs) i'm gonna become a people (laughs) walker and as part of his joke he went and put an ad in the newspaper guess what happened he was getting clients.
2: Being, <laughs> does that include being led by a leash?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think he probably omits the leash, but, you know. <laughs> but there's, you know, how many uh, older people are there out there that, I'll tell you what, as you get older, your friends die. You know what I mean? It uh, may come a certain point where t- you don't really know anybody anymore, you know. You, uh, You know, and even the friends you do have maybe aren't physically able to go out on walks and things like that. And so, but they're they're elderly maybe, so they need, you know, somebody that would walk with them that they would feel safe with and somebody they could build a new relationship with. And he started doing that, making money. You know, it's like just simple little things is freaking amazing. Anyway, I broke this into five categories this evening. If anybody wants to take any notes or anything. Um, And the five categories are number one are our habits. Uh, Number two is our life contracts. That deals with mail, driver's license, you name it. Um, Number three, uh, your identification. How you handle that little hurdle. Uh, Number four, which is a biggie, is technology. How you deal with technology nowadays to keep yourself protected. And the fifth one that I put down was money. And money is very, very serious when it comes to jurisdiction. So um, I think I'll hit these five things one at a time. And then if you guys want to chat after each one, feel free, I guess. But uh, the number one is habits now i would say before anybody went and started following some of these steps and figuring out how they need to situate their life to best protect them and protect their family that you'd start out with something that will give you wow you start out with something that would give you uh, a good pointer as to you know what things are used uh, as far as knowing your whereabouts and what you're doing and that kind of stuff and so that <laughs> that step really would be to go and do your own fbi background check i went and did an fbi background check on myself here a few years ago and it really enlightened me as to how they tie certain things together because I saw that for a span of about two years that I was living in two different places at the same time. And those two places were about 500 miles apart from each other. And I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world is this? So I started thinking back and I realized that an ex-girlfriend who had moved out, (laughs) um, that, I had told her, you know what, listen, I'm going to go ahead and still pay the insurance on your vehicle for you. And so through the insurance, they assumed that I was living up there. Well, nobody really sat and took a look at any of it. If there had been maybe some reason to come find me or whatever, they might have looked at this and said, hey, this doesn't make any sense. What's going on here? You know what I mean? Um, But that didn't occur. (laughs) But when I looked at it, I was like, "Wow, th- this is kind of telling." And uh, there was a few other things on there. Uh, there's some things I found even recently, looking, for instance, at uh, Social Security and how that's been set up and, and paid into the account um, with the number that I use, and noticed that that account started making money uh, about four or five years before I ever entered the workforce. So I had to take a look at that and see, okay, how did this occur? How did this tie together? Now, a number of these things this evening I'm going to bring up, I'm pretty much going to be hitting the high points on for two different reasons. Um, Number one, this doesn't fall under the category of what I've said before, like information or even knowledge but it falls more into the category of Intel, which Intel is supposed to really stay private. uh, Sovereignty is a private group. And this will also be labeled private. This this call will. So people can disseminate it as they want. But I'm only going to be able to go into so much detail without divulging maybe some personal things or whatever. But also at the same time is that a lot of this can be used uh, by people for bad reasons and it shouldn't be used for bad reasons. These should be used for good reasons to protect ourselves and our family and going forward and seeing things that may be coming up in the future. This might be very important. So I I was saying number one was habits. We have to understand that people are a creature of habit. Uh, Our activities, maybe recreationally, we, we have maybe the same days off every week, and so we do the same things at the same times. Um, we may shop at the same store at the same time every week. Uh, we may always take the same routes to these different places. Um, even our, our clothes and what we wear is always very predictable, so you're always kind of easy to spot. Uh, if you're out looking for... You know, Ronald McDonald, well, you know exactly what to look for. is You know what he wears all the time, right? Um, same thing with transportation, you know. What, do you always take the bus? Do you always take the same bus? That kind of thing. You yeah, So you've got to start balancing these things up and varying them a little bit. And there's another good reason also to vary your activities Um and the different times you do things. And even going as far as saying, you don't take the same route to and from work all the time. You change that up all the time. You get out of being in this mundane, boring habit. And a very good reason for that is realizing the neuroplasticity of the brain. And when you start changing up your habits, you are allowing your brain actually to start growing a little bit more again. And because you're going to be starting to think in a different way. And so you're connecting, you're wiring your brain differently. That can even be done with the neuroplasticity of your brain and the simple habits in your home. When you wake up in the morning, is the first thing you do, go and turn on the coffee maker. Jump in the shower, get out of the shower, shave, then brush your teeth, then go pour a cup of coffee. If that's the pattern you follow every single morning, change it up. When you wake up, jump in the shower first. Then go turn on the coffee maker. Um, Then sit down and have a cup of coffee, smoke a cigarette, whatever. Then go brush your teeth and then shave a little bit later. But change that up every day, and you'll start noticing the wiring in your brain, the neuroplasticity, you're starting to exercise this. And so it's going to help your brain start thinking about things in different ways and seeing things from different points of view as you're changing the wiring in your head. Um, does that make sense?
2: Yes. <clears throat> Except for the part where you said to get up and take a shower in the morning, I always take one at night. Because
0: I, I want my bed to be clean when I go to bed. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. But, I mean, but the same thing in the morning. You can just change up the habits of, you know, when you get dressed, when you shave, you know, when you make the coffee, when you have breakfast, you know, whatever the case may be. Just change little things up like that. I noticed, I'll tell you what, let me give you a real-life example. I noticed a big change of this because I work in gaming. And... My worst subject in school was math. It took me, too. me like three years to do two years of algebra, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And I was like, did not like math. And it just like a lot of kids and everybody thinks nowadays is their they're like, they're attitude is, well, what am I going to use this for? Yep. <laughs> well, they don't understand. No, they don't. Everything it, is math. Everything's math, but they don't understand the reason why you're taught math. The way you're ta- reason why you're taught algebra is also to exercise this neuroplasticity in your brain and to help you understand abstract thoughts. That's exactly what algebra is about, learning abstract thoughts. Well, going into gaming, uh, one of the games I, st- I had to learn was roulette. And people in gaming would understand this, but there's different keys to how you memorize payoffs for roulette. Because with roulette, you've got payoffs that are 5 to 1, 11 to 1, 17 to 1, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 2 to 1, 8 to 1. And when a number hits, there's going to be, every player's got a different color chip. You're supposed to start at one spot look at that color chip look at that same chip on any of the other bets that are on there add all those up at once pay it off and whatever number of people there are they're making all these different bets you're supposed to have those bets done in like two two and a half minutes and be on to the next spin and that right there changed the way i did math in my head and after a few months of that game, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm thinking about things completely different. I mean, I, it just totally rewired my mind. All right, so number two. Uh, number two, like I said, is uh, life contracts. And we are contracting constantly in life. And people need to realize, you know, the number one thing we think of when it comes to a contract is a signature. And so people need to realize whenever there's a signature required, there is a contract in place behind the scenes, whether you realized it or not. You sign that driver's license, guess what? There's a contract that you've now become a party to. Have you seen the contract? Did we ever ask for it? Probably not. Most likely not. Because this isn't what we're taught growing up. So you always want to see this contract. Um, And... When you're signing things at the same time, I would also add this because we notice that other companies or whatever that you deal with, whenever you're contracting with them, they're always going to have an expiry or an expiration date on on their contract. Well, guess what? Do you add an expiration date on your contract? Hey, I'm only good to this agreement up to a certain date. Because guess what? There may become a time where I no longer want to become a party to this. So guess what? Add an expiration date to anything you sign. And like I said, always demand to see that contract as well. Um, And uh, in our life contracts, like I mentioned, uh, mail is involved with this. So I suggest to people, always use like an agent for service of process. If you can pay for one, there's tons of them online. If you just go to the search engine and punch in agent for service of process, there's lots of people that are willing to do it for you. And you could actually do it yourself for up to 10 people before you have to become a registered business. Okay. So there's no problem then also in you doing it for other people and at the same time other people doing it for you because if your address is out there floating around, um, you want to have just uh, surprise visitors at your door at any given point. Absolutely not. So use an agent for service of process and you can set things up. In fact, even in a trust format, With everything. I mean, what's the power of a trust? The power of a trust is that possessions or the things that you use are not in your name. They're in somebody else's name. Um, Can the powers that be take somebody else's property away from you? No, they can't. They can only take your property away. So if what you're using is in somebody else's name, that's a, it's, a, it's a trust position anyway. Even though you don't have an official trust written up, it's still a position of trust. You're holding trust in somebody. And at the same time, you have a work quid pro quo. You've got their stuff in your name. All right. And you work together doing this. It's very, very simple to do, very easy to do. Because the station for service of process they're handling notice and demand. And we see notice and demand all the time. If you got a mailbox, you receive a letter from the electric company, guess what? That is a notice of your bill and a demand for payment. Because, why? Because knowingly or not you are the agent for service of process notice and demand and so you do this with your bills you do this with insurance you can do it with your registration you can do it with I would say the driver's license for instance Um, I'm not going to get into detail on that but you're basically using the same trust format and the things that you are doing as well, you can add a second layer of protection and you do everything under the D B A that you use. The doing business as for people who don't know what D B A means. You set up your D B A and you handle your affairs through your DBA. I I don't really with mail recommend using like the the general mail or even a PO box. I, I really prefer um, You're not using the things of Babylon. What ties you into Babylon? What holds you liable with Babylon? It's sharing in Babylon's crap. So quit using their crap. Um, So that's just kind of the few things that I have under life contracts and ideas that people can, I think, put to use. And it's the same thing. Under those life contracts you're going to have online services that you use. Um, and, you know, put those in a different name. Have Myself, I've got electric, I've got all that stuff, but you know what I don't have? I don't have one <laughs> thing where I'm at listed in my name. I have zero mail even come to me. It all goes to my agent for service of process. So, You are not going to be able, and I've had friends that have gone out and they go to all the different sites that if you're looking for somebody, you can use these sites to try and find somebody. And they go to all of them, and that's a pain in the butt. It's easier just to say, go ahead, put it out there. Put all that info out there, but let it be synthetic info. Let it be false info. So if anybody thinks they're just going to come knock on my door, have fun with that. Anything you guys want to mention before I move into identification?
1: Um, Yeah, I want to just mention real quick here before you do, I dropped a couple of links. One of them, the first one there, is from Social Security Administration. It talks about the name of the interstate instrumentality. The second one is the natural area code um, converter for straight buses. And then in regards to the uh, identification, this is the, uh, you spoke about the FBI or something earlier. Um, I think it was either here or the Zoom I was on earlier. Anyway, um, the Interstate Identification Index is what is being used, and that's done through the name and address because everybody's been indoctrinated to use that name and address.
0: Yep, absolutely. And... um, Yeah, I'm going to be getting into that, I guess, with number three here, identification. Identification, okay. Well, if you look in the Constitution, and we know it doesn't apply to us, you're not a party to it, you're not we the people. If you want to know who the people of the United States is, uh, flip the Constitution over and look and see who signed that contract. Then you'll find out who we the people is. Mm -hmm. But it says there that you're supposed to have protection of your papers and your persons, plural. Well, if they, if we the people are supposed to have protections in their papers and their persons, they kind of told you something. Papers, that means, okay, there's many papers, and I think people don't have a hard time wrapping their mind around that, but persons, plural. Well, really? You've got more than one person? Absolutely. You can have multiple persons. You can have, you know, It is illegal to steal somebody's identification. I am not recommending anything that's illegal. It is absolutely illegal to steal someone's identification and to use it and to impersonate another person. However, there's nothing wrong with having a synthetic identification. You can have multiple persons. Um, Many of these persons could be DBAs. You've got people that might be CEO of multiple companies. Well, guess what? They've got a DBA in the name of each of those companies. That's their multiple persons. So you can create those multiple persons for yourself if you want. And you use this as well on driver's license, insurance, registration. I recommend as well rescinding that voter's registration. That's participation with Babylon. Babylon participation is consent when people say i do not consent well, wait a minute how do you not consent when you're using all that stuff you're registered with them and all of that that's still consenting um with banking insurance uh, whatever you're dealing with go paperless go paperless with all them Everybody for years have always thought address as being something physical. I think if you ask somebody younger nowadays what their address is, they might think email address instead of a physical mailbox. You know, so right there, there's another address you can have to do everything paperless. And nothing factual should be shown on social media. You keep all that crap off from social media you know you don't show pictures of your house on there and you know uh list factual info your your phone number all that kind of stuff at the same time even with phones you can use you know people i see people all the time carrying two or three phones and guess what they're not all drug dealers okay and they don't all have multiple wives or girlfriends but you can have multiple phones for multiple reasons and some of them can be just toss away phones or whatever. I'm going to get into that though, when I talk about technology Um, and along with, like I said, this synthetic identity um, at the same time, don't be carrying any real identification on you. Don't be carrying this stuff in your pocket or in your purse. I, I, I call this pocket litter. All right. Pocket litter is stuff that might be in your wallet or in your purse. It might be, say, for instance, receipts or library cards or that kind of thing. If you do carry any of that kind of stuff physically on you, only carry those of a synthetic identity that you're using. Period. Uh, That way that nobody can just go in and grab this or that from you. And number one, they won't be able to steal identification from you. It's going to make it much more difficult for them to use it and at the same time when I'm saying I said earlier about everything going digital um, it is interesting the past year or two is seeing a lot of the different laws that are being written for different states and so far everything I've seen I haven't found one yet that's not allowing it uh, you don't have to carry any idea on you anymore you can have it all in digital format on a phone. So have a file on your phone that may uh, show a social security, might show front and back of a driver's license, Um, what other info you've got there. I know I've got my uh, DBA listed there, authentication, a few other things are listed there in, in that file that I've got. But at the same time, think about this. If for some stupid reason An officer decides they're going to confiscate an ID or paperwork from you. Think about all the different things, for instance, in life that they request identification for you from, whether it's going into certain venues or, I mean, something even as simple as buying a pack of cigarettes You know what I mean? They're (coughs) demanding to be able to see that nowadays. Well, if that's been absconded from you, then guess what? You're kind of screwed, aren't you? Mm -hmm. But guess what? If Mm -hmm. you've got it just in digital format on you, there's no way anybody's going to be able to physically take that. Um, So that's something very important to think about. Yeah, what's up, Rob?
2: So, yeah, if... um... If there's a, a warrant out for that name and the rest of that name and you show them a a digital copy photo from your phone of that name, they're still gonna get you, aren't they? Yeah. So you don't wanna do that either. <laughs> you just recommend have it on your phone in case they take it from you. You still have it. Well
0: office. No, you shouldn't you better not have a warrant on you anyway. But I mean if either either way, the only time they're they're gonna ask you for That is really if you get pulled over. And if you get pulled over, you're supposed to be able to show that info anyway. Your insurance card, all that kind of stuff. Um, Generally, when there's a warrant out for you, if it's something very serious, they'll come knock on your door. This goes back into not having your physical address put out there anywhere. Yes. So you're going to avoid that and that'll give you, they'll at least buy you some time to fix whatever situation there is going on. All right. Uh, Number four, technology and computer. Because this is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger for everybody. So uh, number one, you're going to want to keep location off from your devices. And you may have to go on your phone and dig four or five, six layers. You know, get down to even like nine one one service. Get that deleted off. All the, all those tracking things. You can get that stuff deleted off. Okay, can be done, but it just takes a little bit of work. And say so you going not want to remove, you know, all those location little things on your phone. At the same time, you want to keep, for instance, like if you use Gmail. Uh, Gmail does it. I don't know about other email services, but you want to keep those cleared also. Because if you scroll down to somebody's last uh, Gmail that they sent, uh, you can find the IP address of where they're at. So, you know, I get that taken care of. There's another thing that you can do as far as. Um, the computer goes, which is pretty important, is really to use, you know, alternative search engines, start page, there's other ones like that that you can use. Um, VPNs, a lot of people push VPNs, let me tell you something, no VPN is going to totally hide you. If it would totally hide you, it wouldn't be allowed to be on the market. So VPNs are a big time waste of money in my viewpoint. Never use free Wi-Fi, okay? Now, to get down to really the nitty-gritty on using um, technology and using maybe a computer, um, personal computer, uh, even accessing online services with your phone, is set up a remote location. Have a computer somewhere remotely that's set up, and what you do is you just access that computer... And do everything that you want to do from wherever you're at with that computer, that that remote computer. So whenever any IP address shows up, any kind of location, you know, tracker shows up, it, it'll lead somebody right back to that freaking other computer that is somewhere where you rarely, if ever, even go to, you know what I mean? You, you just say to a friend, "They got a spare room, hey, whatever, hey, mind if I set up a computer here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Tell them why, go ahead and tell them why. But yeah, make, make use of little easy things like that, you can do. Um, people need to realize that courts are gonna look at your email, your online use with almost anything. I remember listening to a court case that had to deal with custody and the attorney for like, say the mom got up and was like, yeah, you know, we're looking through emails and looking at daily habits and things like that. And it looks like dad goes to this uh, bar three times a week uh, it also has a liquor store at the bar da, da, and painted the guy in a horrible light without really mentioning, well, it's not just a bar. It's also a restaurant. And he was taking clients there, you know, for dinners, for his work. Okay. But though they can take stuff like that and twist it and morph it and paint somebody in a bad light. So when, when you're going to these places, you know, cash is king. Use cash for everything. Um, there's so many places nowadays as well, depending on what you're buying, for instance, that oh, they, they want to scan your ID. I had a friend, gosh, it's been at least 13, 14 years now down here in Florida. He went into a Seven Eleven to buy a pack of cigarettes. Uh, they, they were just starting the whole scan your ID thing at the time. They scanned his ID. When he got out of the store, as he was going to get into his friend's vehicle, a squad car pulled in and the guy yelled out the window, hey, he mentioned his name. Hey, come here. They went straight, you know, went straight to um, Leo, the law enforcement officers. And I've asked people before that have wanted to scan my ID for things. I said, do you know for a fact exactly where this information goes? And they said no. And I said, okay, I can't let you scan it then. I said, all I am required to do is show it to you. If you need a birth date, here, I'll show it to you. You can manually type it into your computer. But other than that, no, you're not scanning. So don't let anybody scan stuff. At the same time, that falls into what I said about uh, having everything stored digitally on the phone. If you've got it stored digitally on the phone, they're not going to be able to scan it. All right? Uh, At the same time, don't use a fingerprint feature or facial recognition on a device. Do I even have to say that? (laughs) All right. Um, And at the same time, like even with if you've got using Mac address, stuff, things like that, uh, you can download S Mac and that'll spoof uh, Macintosh. All right. And there's other places you can go. If you want to get deeper into the whole technology thing. I would recommend uh, there's a channel on YouTube you can look at. It's called Tech Lore. It's T E C H L O R E. And they've got a lot of little helpful hints there as well. But that's pretty much all I really wanted to cover as far as technology goes. But I'm sure there's plenty of things people can think of. Uh, if you read them between the lines on that stuff.
2: Why wouldn't you want to have fingerprint access on your own phone so no one else can get into
0: it? Why are you leaving your phone laying around for somebody else to get into anyway?
2: <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> in case. I don't want hey, to be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, that here's the thing. It's not that the fingerprint access in and of itself is necessarily bad. All these things that we are doing, all these little things that they're starting up is step by step. You know, if everybody out there has absolutely no problem using fingerprint access for your phone, then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to have no problem using fingerprint access for things at different stores or whatever. I remember 15 years ago, the kids coming home from school and they were all proud they had these cards that they could swipe now for their lunches. And I me- immediately thought, oh crap. And my girlfriend, their mom at the time, she was like, what? what, what's the issue? And I said, they're getting children used to using a card for everything. I said, in another 20 years, nobody's even going to know what cash is. Cause everybody's using a card. Mm-hmm. And So that way, since you're using a card for everything, that means all the data systems know absolutely everything you do. They know where you're at, what you're buying, maybe what you're buying it for. You know, oh, you just bought something here at this store. Now, 10 minutes later, you're over here. Or you always go to this store every Friday afternoon around 3. You know, no, that's not the kind of info you want. Just floating around out there for just anybody to grab onto. I, I'll right. give you a uh, personal experience that I had here about 10 years ago. Uh, there was a couple places I went to on a regular basis, and I had about three incidences, all within two weeks that occurred, where when I went to this particular, Particular establishment that I would frequent at a certain time every week, somebody would come walking across the parking lot and be like, Hey, can I ask you about something? You know, I'd look, I'd be looking around like, talking to me, what? what you know, what's going on? And they're like, Yeah, I've got this problem, I think I've got somebody following me, this or that. And they start talking to you, and next thing you know, they're like, Manic and don't stop talking, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden now they're an mk ultra victim and um, they're being stalked and it's like oh my they're being targeted they're a targeted individual and the first time i had that happen i was like wow that was kind of weird and then the second time it happened i'm like okay wait a second here and then the third time i'm like okay yeah there's an issue and um i don't know why people are coming to me with this, but it's always when I go to this one particular place and it, it was just a restaurant. It's all white. It wasn't anything nefarious. You know what I mean? Mm. So I was thinking, you know, I don't know if there's like somebody trying to get me involved with something or whatever. And I was like, it was at that time where I was starting to think, you know, maybe we need to start paying more attention to our activities and kind of bouncing them around a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Well, I wonder how you were able to get out of that. Uh, I mean, just dismiss them politely, say, I'm sorry, I got to go. Good luck to you type of thing.
0: Yeah, you'd be as nice as possible. Give them a fake phone number. And (laughs) um, then, you know, and at the same time, which I should have added into this earlier, we need to be aware of our surroundings all the time. Constantly aware of your surroundings. Um, Even, you know, if, if you walk past a door. You know, take note, is that door shut? Because when you walk past it a second time, if that door is now cracked open a little bit, it's like, ooh, something's changed here in my environment. You know what I mean? So always be aware of your surroundings, who's around you, what's going on. Um, That's really, there's nothing more important really than being aware of your surroundings. Um, All right. Number five is money. This is a biggie. All right. I should have the page pulled up for this, but I don't. So I'll just run it off the top of my head. Um, For money. And who and what you do is track mostly through your money and how you're spending things. And what your contracts are even tied in with your money. If you go to get insurance for a vehicle, for instance, you would never think, the average person probably wouldn't think that they're going to have a credit check run on them. Well, you're not applying for a loan or anything like, why would they apply for a credit check? They're applying for a credit check to see how well you pay your loans. Right. They'll do the same thing if you go and like sign up for like a plan on a phone. They want to know. Uh, Does he make like his regular electric bill every month? Does he stay consistent with that? Okay. We can trust him with this, Um, with like your auto insurance. So they're going to want to know even a little bit bigger things, you know, they they might even look into, you know, how often are you paying your mortgage off and a lot and credit cards out there as well. um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember the term for this, but, your contract with credit cards will have tied into there as well that even though they're giving you an 8% rate right now, that if anything changes in your credit, that that rate can always change, which means if they go and you sign up, you're getting an 8% whatever credit card and a month into your contract, they see that you were delinquent on something three years ago. They can say, oh, that changes your credit worthiness. And so now you're at 29% interest rate. All right. So that's just sneaky stuff they do. So, one of the things you want to do is you're going to want to opt out of this information sharing that happens with all of these debt related people. And most people, when they go, for instance, to fight debt, they go to Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, the big three, Mm -hmm. and and they start there, and they fight forever, and nothing ever gets done, and they don't understand why. The reason why is because Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion don't get their information from, like, your mortgage company, your insurance company, um, where, you know, you're doing a rent-to-own on a television. No, they don't get that from them. Those three guys get it from five smaller guys underneath them. They get it from LexisNexis, Innovus, uh, SageStream, ARS, CoreLogic, and maybe sometimes FICO. But they're going to mainly get it from those five. So if you go to those five and you opt out of information sharing, you're going to have a whole lot less of. You know, people being able to do soft polls on your credit and find out things about you through that. And all these guys specialize in different things. Uh, LexisNexis, for instance, most insurance companies use them. Is LexisNexis will inform them on any interactions you have, for instance, with the police. It doesn't matter if you even ask them for directions for somewhere. An insurance company will look at that interaction as... Uh, being a habit or a bad habit that you might have. Oh, uh, this guy seems to have a lot of run-ins with the police. Even if they're all innocent, they're going to look at it negatively. Um, so anything that happens with them, even say something minor happens and no ticket is written, guess what? Still going to go on your insurance because LexisNexis is going to report that to the insurance company. Um, you've got other ones like ARS, ARS, they specialize mostly in medical billing. So your medical information is getting out there. I think we're seeing a day and an age right now where you don't want your medical information out there. Did you get the jab? Did you not get the jab? Mm. Opt out with ARS, uh, core logic, core logic handles, um, convictions and evictions, That's two of the things they like to play with. You've been convicted of anything, they're going to put that out there for people. Um, If you've ever been evicted, um, CoreLogic will be used very often by rental agencies because they're going to run a credit check on you with CoreLogic to see if you have any evictions. Well, if you've got some out there, you you might want to opt out with CoreLogic so it's not being disseminated to everybody. This is all our personal data. You don't want to have this stuff disseminated. All right, Uh, moving along past that, use prepaid credit cards or prepaid cards, okay? And put synthetic info on those prepaid cards as well. Um, And if you use a debit card, you have a debit card for a bank. Number one, I wouldn't use the home office of a bank near your home. Use one that's near where you work at. Do your banking when you're going to and from work. Don't do it near your house. Same thing, debit card, when you're getting gas. If people are looking at habits, they know that people are going to do their banking and they're going to get their gas and buy their groceries as close to home as possible. So if they're looking at your banking, looking at where you get gas, looking at where you're using your debit card at a grocery store, (laughs) right there, they can pretty much triangulate closely to where you're at. I mean, it's very, very simple to do. And so, Anytime you use any of these things, I I recommend use them deceptively. When you get gas, get gas at all different places, all over the place. Never get it near your home, you know. Um, Now, when you're setting up uh, bank accounts as well, at the same time, people get afraid that their accounts might get frozen or different things like that. Uh, You can simply stay away from that if you're using a non-interest-bearing account um there's some people I've told this to and they're like oh well checking accounts are always not interest bearing that's bs mm-hmm. every account is interest bearing mm-hmm. all right and they have to because most people would get upset if they saw they didn't weren't gaining interest even if it's only 2 or 3 pennies a month they want the interest well guess what when you gain interest you're receiving a benefit participating with babylon and whenever you receive a, a benefit you're also holding liability you know I remember I was toying around with that idea because it's a scriptural idea. And, you know, what did Yeshua teach? Walk on water. What's water? Synonymous with commerce. Well, you're supposed to rise above it. You're supposed to be the one in control. And I was playing around with that principle of the borrower is a servant to the lender. And thinking about that with the bank and open up an account with a non-interest bearing account. And went about two months later and intentionally bounced two checks on it. See what would happen. Guess what? Sure enough, I got that green card, insufficient funding in the mail from them. Where it states on there, the amount for insufficient funds, the fee is $30. Down at the bottom, it said amount charged, zero. Why? They couldn't hold me liable because I wasn't receiving a benefit on that account. And at the same time, non-interest-bearing accounts don't get reported to the federal government. Not unless there's suspicious activity happening on them. They don't get reported. So guess what? If they don't have the bank account number that you're using, what's the odds of them freezing it? Pretty limited. Um, If you have to cash a check, say, for instance, for work, do that at the bank of origin of that check. Don't do it at the bank you use. The only thing you're going to do at your bank is deposit cash. And you're only going to use that account basically as a pass-through account for different bills or things like that that you have. Um, And like I said, make all that stuff paperless. Make all that paperwork paperless so it's not going to any mailbox. And a lot of these accounts you can just set up online for banking as well. And... We're seeing today also a rise in crypto. And I recommend people use crypto whenever possible. Use crypto if people accept it. Because we're gonna you'll find through life uh, different things that I've done, whether it's changing titles over in vehicles, when they want to know how much this car was sold for. I said X amount of weight in silver. Blank. That's all I told them. When I told them that, they just kind of sat back like, oh, what do we do? Well, the only reason why they were confused by that is because that's not what the peasants do. They all use Federal Reserve notes. They all use dollars. And that's what the state has authority over. That's what they have jurisdiction over is the USD. I was watching a court case four or five years ago where a guy was getting busted for um, sale of cocaine. But guess what? He was doing it all in like uh, crypto coin of some sort, uh, whether it was Bit or Ethereum. But he was using crypto for all of it. And I remember the judge kind of sitting back and saying out loud, he said, I'm not sure if I have jurisdiction over this. You know, they could get him with possession and that's really all they could get him for. Because there was no jurisdiction over the coin that he was using as far as making transfers, because that's all that money is. The only thing money is, it's an agreed-upon medium of exchange. So use some alternative agreed-upon mediums of exchange, because the only medium of exchange so far at this time that the state has jurisdiction over is the Federal Reserve note. And since everything people does is with a Federal Reserve note, whether it's purchasing vehicles, homes, or whatever, guess what? that also extends jurisdiction to those items as well. And I think that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it this evening. I think that's more than enough for people to digest and people can start kind of thinking into some of these things and going, hey, I bet you could do this too, or I bet you could do that too. Um, I think one thing uh, I want to leave you with as well Is a lot of people get really nervous. I talk about synthetic IDs or things like that. People get really nervous about, oh, you go into the DMV or whatever agency. Oh, my God. People, they think they're facing Uncle Sam himself, government himself. No, you're not. You're facing somebody just like you are me. Okay. They're no different than any of us. They want to get to work as late as possible. They want to do as little as possible while they're there. And they want to leave as early as possible. They're humans like everybody else. They are not private investigators that are going to dig into whatever you're doing to make sure that you're presenting things adequately. All these people want to see is they need to see a piece of paper that says on it what they need to see in order for them to type whatever into a computer. It's that simple. Um, I think I mentioned before, a few weeks ago, an ex-girlfriend was having a conversation with some friends, and she was talking about her experience moving around the country with me and things, talking about some of, you know, the situations you run into and she said you know when you move it move to an area you know and you go to get a job well they want to know where you live well since you just moved there you look like a transient and they might not really want to hire you and at the same time if you go to a get an apartment somewhere well they want to know where you work and they're hoping that you've worked there for at least a year or two you know what i mean to make sure you're solid you're dependable you can pay you've got an income stream But guess what? You just moved there. You don't have that to show them. So it makes a lot of these things very difficult. And her friends asked her, well, what did you guys do? And she said, well, Brian went and bought a typewriter. And that's exactly what I did. I I went to the place of business, and I got some of their flyers and brochures, made up a letterhead for them, went to the place we wanted to rent from, uh, went into the little welcome area, grabbed some of their flyers and brochures, made up a letterhead for them. And swapped info between the two places and got not only the job, but got the place to live. You just show people the paperwork they want to see. Um, I had somebody a while ago saying, oh, I'm afraid. I, I think he was up by Canada. He said, I'm afraid, you know, uh, they want to see a proof of vaccination card in order for me to keep my job. And I said, fine, show them one. Mm-hmm. So well, what do you mean? I'm not going to go. And get, I said, I didn't say that. I said, show them one. If that's all they want to see, show it to them. It's that simple. Uh, But anyway, that's about where I'm going to leave it. So uh, if you guys have stuff you want to add, Gavin, um, Hmm. Keith, go ahead. Hmm.
2: How much is it for an FBI background check?
0: You know, I don't remember, so that means it can't be much. <laughs>
2: That's good. What kind of information do they, they uh, have
0: on you? Oh, dude, they knew everything. They knew every place I had been working at, every place I had lived at, you know. And this was, oh, 12, 13 years ago, maybe, or, or a little more. But I'm sure today they would, well, not with, the way I do things now, but for a typical person, they would have more information on somebody today than they even did at that time. Totally. But, but it's interesting when you get that background check done through the FBI guys and you can kind of see how different things connect. You know what I mean? And at the the same time, I'll say, listen, these guys aren't the brightest. I mean, Like I was saying, people that just, they want to get to work as late as possible, leave as early as possible. Those guys are no different. They're exactly the same. I I remember a while ago, um, somebody came to me and they're like, Brian, he said, "Uh, this morning at like 4.30 in the morning, you had, there was some guys here, two different like black vehicles. And they had flashlights and they're kind of snooping around, looking at the different places here and stuff. I said, oh, really? I said, well, I, I kind of know who would do that. So I went to the local field office for the FBI, and uh, they are kind of surprised to see me because, number one, they don't have a big sign out front that says FBI. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, yeah. Their field office was in a little kind of small residential little area you would never known, you know what I mean? Hmm. But um, one of the officers came out to talk to me and says, yeah. I said, I, I live at a certain place. I handed him... Uh, the address for the place. I said, uh, I have reason to believe you guys are kind of looking for somebody around here. And they're like, well, as a matter of fact, yes, we are. Maybe you can help us, (laughs) you know, which they were right there at the place where this person was at. I don't know what their problem was, but anyway, I said, uh, yeah, there's a warrant out uh, for this gentleman and it's very serious. I said, oh, really? Well, I didn't want them snooping around my house in the middle of the night and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I said, listen, in case you didn't know, the guy you're looking for is on probation. So all you have to do is get a hold of his probation officer and have them call him in for a drug test. And you can meet him right there. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we had no idea. And I'm just kind of shaking my head you know, why wouldn't you do that instead of go out there freaking snooping around at 4, 4.30 in the morning with flashlights and the neighbor, I mean, come on. So, yeah. Well, we have to realize that not everybody out there is really all that bright. So, you're, you're kind of shocked when you see some of the things that they actually do. And, which at the same time means taking some of these steps to kind of protect yourself and hide yourself is for these people, you're throwing up huge barriers in front of them. (laughs) Even though it seems like tiny things to them, they're huge barriers. (laughs) But if that's all we got this evening, and uh, I I guess we can close out. Thanks for being here, Gavin. Well, we've got a hand up too, brother. Okay, is there a question? Uh, Let me jump over. See, we got Truth Seeker has a hand up. Toothseeker, I'm going to unmute you. So what do you have for us?
3: So uh, um, I just wanted to say um, thank you for, um, well, Keith, thank you for inviting me to uh, this call. Um, I had a background check last year uh, because I was applying for residency for Panama. Um, so it costs around $50 for our FBI background check. So I just wanted to Thank you. say that. Cool. Um, in terms of like all of the data mining companies, there are other ones that are kind of major hit, hitters too. Um, the check systems, so that has to do primarily with the banking. And the work number and the eVerify has to do, uh, well, the work number is pretty much uh, the employment sector and the eVerify as well. Uh, verifies your citizenship as it, re, as it relates to uh, employment, but it it has a lot of information on your background. So I just wanted to share uh, that with you all as well.
0: Yep, absolutely. That's another good one to go into. Uh, there is another company that's escaping my mind right now that's at the federal level that does the same thing. Um it's it's not the FAR, it's not the um, foreign acquisition registration, somebody else. But, yeah, any of those companies like that that you can find, yeah, make use of that. Thanks, bro. Uh,
3: also, um, would you recommend um, that all of the, I, I call them data harvesting centers. <laughs> um. Could we request all of them to um, um, freeze and uh, block all of the information from being uh, shared? And is it possible we can ask them to delete our information? Because I know I tried to do it through LexisNexis, and there was like, "Well, we can't do it." We, you know, there's they were just saying something about uh, they'll do as much as they can as the law allows. And I'm like, but I didn't give you permission to collect my data. So, you know, we went back and forth for months on that. So it was kind of like, well, let me revisit this when I do some more research. But I, I need to uh, talk to some other people to find out exactly um, how I can get all of that crap out of this system. And going back to the FBI report, um, I'm generally... Uh, uh, I generally don't get in trouble, but I had an incident when I was 18 years old that I actually completely forgot about. When I had my background check done for this um, Panama residency, uh, that came up, I had completely forgot about it. Uh, the incident took place in Washington, D.C., um, and I was wondering, I was kind of baffled when I got the results. Why? That incident was on an FBI report. But at the time I didn't know that Washington, DC, I was real young. I didn't know Washington DC was federal and you know all the stuff that I know now, right? And so um um yeah, so you know, in terms of the residency program, there was another step that I had to, to go through. So it all worked out um, because I was never charged. Um, They dropped the charges and all that. So um, I just had to go through another step um, with the immigration department in Panama because I'm just basically doing it to get another passport. That's essentially what I'm doing. Um, And uh, anyway, um, it all worked out. So I was able to move on. But um, I wanted to know... Is there a way that I can get that off my record, like delete it off or get that sealed?
0: Um, there's, because, there's, there's a lot of people out there.
3: It's listed as a felony. Um, but it really wasn't a felony per se, but because of the jurisdiction it was in. Right. Um, if, if, if I was in the neighboring States like Maryland or Virginia, what, uh, with the charges that I, I have, what, they were destruction of property and disorderly conduct. That's basically what the two charges were. But if I was in Maryland and in D.C., they were asked to be misdemeanors.
0: Right. Well, and here's the thing, too, is uh, a lot of people think that they can go and get things uh, expunged from their record. And um, you can do that. You can have things expunged from your record. But that really only means for espongement that Joe Sixpack isn't going to be able to look things up on the computer and find it. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're having like a background check done for like a federal job or getting a passport in another country like you're mentioning or something like that, then it's still Mm -hmm. going to show up. Those things will still show up for those people. Mm -hmm. So espungement doesn't totally erase things.
1: Right. It's still going to remain on the record in regards to Interpol. That's the superior record to the Director General of the International Bureau. It's always going to remain on that record. That's the main logistic record for defense logistics.
3: Okay. So. Now, okay. As far
0: as I was going to say, as far as those little data mining companies as well, um, mm-hmm. the majority of those little companies, they're all getting their little notices as well from ARS, CoreLogic, Intervus, LexisNexis, SageStream, mm-hmm. FICO. FICO was interesting. FICO stands for Fair Isaac, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But anyway, for Fair I, Isaac Company, I
3: have, one more, I have one more question, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um. So, in reference, just it, like just in general sense, um, if you have a court case, or you know, you have um, uh, some type of criminal background, or just something that puts you in their system. If one changes their uh, their their status correctly, will that change anything uh, regarding that, or it still would be in their system?
0: I would say yes. It's going to make a change, and when it when it comes to like you mentioned, status correctly, doing it correctly or whatever. um, What what it really comes down to is uh, you taking authority over that name that that they're wanting to use. It's really, they refer to Mm -hmm. it kind of as an organization. And I think it's more of maybe a uh, partnership in a way, but Mm -hmm. uh, people need to understand that like the birth certificate, the certificate of life birth, that just shows a security interest in the organization that was created. Okay. And after you get authenticated, They are giving you back the security interest in that organization. People need to think about it along those terms. Those are more kind of like banking terms, which is really what's going on.
1: Yeah, it's a liquidation. It's a a literal bankruptcy, like I described in the Zoom earlier. You're going to merge the credits once all all the accounts are settled and zeroed out. You're going to merge those credits under a new name with the old name. You're going to shadow that old name now. It's not going to come out. You're going to use the new name.
3: Okay. So uh, another question. So I had my birth certificate authenticated at the state and the federal. So it's fully authenticated. I have one one authenticated birth certificate that was back in 2019. Um, But back then, everybody was saying to authenticate the birth certificate. But then when I did it, then I realized I had the document and I was like, well, hell, what do I do now? Because no one really said what to do with it when you got it. So I've had it all this time and didn't know what the hell to do with it because no one even mentioned that part. So. Right. Um, so I do have one. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just beginning to find out some of the pieces as far as what I could do with it I just don't have um, exactly um, the steps uh, for lack of better words um, and better uh, you know like an in-depth understanding in terms of how what I need to do with that um, uh, as far as on this path to status correction and, and get you know getting myself out of the system so to speak
0: well, I'll, I'll tell you what when I did mine, you know, because it, it takes time, you know, wait for it to come back from the state, then wait for it to come back from the federal. And when I did it, um, I had already really decided what I was going to do. I didn't know quite as much as I do now, but everything kind of fell in line with, with what I found out as far as it being a security interest. Um, it doesn't mean it's an actual security it, itself. It's just evidence of a security interest. Okay. okay. And, well, um, You have several options of what you can do uh, when you get it back. And that is that essentially what you're doing is you're holding the title of the security interest of the organization that the state created. This according to the framers of the UCC 9. Okay. So since you're holding that um, and you've got now you've got original title. Okay. Uh, because everything, all those other ones that are sent to mom and dad or whoever, prior to that, they're just copies. And a copy isn't worth anything. I would never accept a copy from somebody if they wanted to sell me a vehicle. And all they had was, oh, I got a photocopy here. It's it's a certified photocopy. It's a certified copy. No, not good enough. you know. But once you're holding original, not, then now you've got um, more authority of what you can do with it. And you can decide... For instance, what you're doing with that organization. Are you still going to represent that organization? Or like Keith said, are you going to merge that organization under another name? Um, are, are you going to retire that organization? Or are you going to uh, rescind your position as agent or representative for that organization? You know, So that, that's things to think about as far as what you can do with it.
3: Now, is it necessary to have more than one or one, only one is necessary as far as an authenticated, a fully authenticated birth certificate?
0: I recommend doing three of them. And the reason why is because um, one's just going to get misplaced. Um, another one, you're going to hide from yourself because you're going to put it where you think it's a really good spot <laughs> and you're going to hide it from yourself. you know, Or... And, And then another one you can keep, like, maybe in in a vehicle, keep it in a safety deposit box, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? So I I think Mm -hmm. it's just smart to have three of them. But if you've only got one, just, you know, just keep a good eye on it. And regardless of what anybody says, you never give out the original. Just give out a good photocopy of it and put on there that it's a copy. And the original is available upon request for inspection.
3: Okay. Um, but yeah, you don't
0: go and file that in the courthouse or record it with anybody or send it to the treasury or no, none of that garbage.
3: Okay, because that's what um, I've been hearing lately is for people to record that um, in the county recorder on the land, and no. um, yeah, number and then, one, uh, number yes, one, you're, number get, you're
0: getting, you're receiving that from a superior position. So why would you mm-hmm. want to go and file that with an inferior court?
1: Right. That's the wrong docket. The postal docket, like I explained earlier, is the judicial docket. So when we settle the account on the administrative docket, it now gets conveyed to an irrevocable letter of credit as a land instrument. That's why. So we, we can, can
3: register we, register, that, mail it to ourselves. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're going to transfer the title to the Postal Service in that directive to the Postal Service after you settle all the accounts and the remainder credits are being transferred. Those are going to establish the security interest in the irrevocable letter of credit. That's going to establish your fidelity bond directly with the Postal Service. In that directive, you're going to redress the address. The federal address is no longer going to be used. Wherever you're at, it's going to be converted to a a natural area code. So anything that goes into that postal service area for that address is going to be noted by a natural area code and the postal service is going to know right away. It's private.
3: Okay. All right, cool. Does that do it for you? you Thank you very, very much. Uh, Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: All right. You got it, bro. All
1: right, folks. uh, You want to close out with anything, Keith? Nope, just uh, my usual. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. So God bless, love you. Have a great night. Same time, Gavin. Thank you for being here,
0: brother.
2: Thank you. Uh, Actually, um, Truth Seeker brought up a really good point because, uh, in regarding the birth certificate, because I have a special special situation in that uh, I was born overseas, and I don't have all I have is a consular report of birth abroad. From the state department and i have i got them to send me a copy of that but and i but i have the live my live born certificate from spain i do have that the original and i don't know which one i should authenticate
0: your naturalization your naturalization paperwork
1: yeah the ones the ones under the united states that are given the full faith and credit Yep, that that document is under the, the the validity of full faith and credit just like the birth registration the naturalization.
2: So which one is that? Do I have one yet? or
0: uh, You should be able to get your naturalization paperwork from the State Department.
2: So it's not the same as
1: the consular report of birth abroad? Uh, probably not, no. It's going to be relative to that. It's going to be a certificate of some sort.
2: Interesting. Yep. Well, I'm going to have to figure out how to I'm not to to call them up because I didn't see that offering on their uh, website, I don't think.
0: Yeah, they probably got it there, maybe hidden under a different name or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh
2: My goodness,
0: okay. Well, thank
2: you. I'm going to have to do some research
0: on that. Cool, cool. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, like I tell you all every week, learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at, because we've been deceived on all
1: three levels. Good night, guys.